today, especially with everything that's going on, without God in their lives. I don't, you know, and my family is far from perfect. My kids, I've got two, we've got, I keep saying I, but we've got two boys. One's a deacon at Rosemont, him and his wife, and they're at Winter Gym now. But my other son, he was raised in church. But he doesn't attend anywhere regularly. And what I'm getting at is he needs this verse. We've, we've tried to raise him, you know, we raised him up in church, and he knows he needs Jesus, but he's got to get to that point of humbleness. How bad do things have to be before people who don't have Jesus notice how much they need Jesus? James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10 said, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves. Verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. The second condition. These are God's conditions. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray. What if God blessed us? And when we pray, we pray for specific things usually. God answers our prayers, His way, His timing, His will. But let me ask you this what if we were blessed by God tomorrow for what we thanked Him for today in those answered prayers? What would our blessings look like? That's just a rhetorical question. Prayer is for serious people who mean business. You know, at church this morning where Brandon had an altar call before worship, you know, worship service had just started. I'd never seen it before in church until I got here. Does a call to the altar always have to be at the end of a service? Why? I was in a revival up in New York. Southwestern Seminary has a program to where they send students out all over the United States. At no cost to the church, they come up and do a revival. We had a student come in. 
and he, we put him up at our house. And during one of the revival services, the message got interrupted. It wasn't going according to our plans, but it went according to God's. And this guy stood up and started questioning the pastor, the preacher, a student, seminary student. He stopped his message and addressed, answered this guy's questions. But he didn't just zero in on this young man sitting up front. He was talking to the whole church. That's the best message the young man had. And um, it tells us in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, says, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. We sung part of that song this morning. Psalms 3, chapter 4, it says, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Psalms 34, 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I think prayer starts sometimes by seeking him in our prayer closets. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high. Matthew 7, 7, 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Okay, look at that verse. Who's to ask? Us. That's a personal reaction that God wants from us. He wants to See us do action first, and then he responds. For everyone who asks, receives, or seek, and you'll find. Knock, and it will be opened. In prayer, have you prayed for something one way, and God responds another way? And are you willing to share Be careful what you pray for because you just might get it. You know, God invented reverse psychology. Did you know that? There was one time I said, Lord, don't send me to Hawaii. I don't want a pastor in Hawaii. So he took me at my word. He didn't send me there. Tried that reverse psychology and it didn't work. Have you ever prayed for something? In one direction, but God responded in another. I'm sure we've all done it. Another condition, the third condition, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face. What does it mean to seek the face of the Lord? Okay. Mm-hmm. Spend time with him. This is when I ask questions, y'all are supposed to answer. 
Um, why do we want to seek the Lord's will for ourselves? Exactly. His thoughts are better. His ways are better. Everything about him is better than us. Mm-hmm. Back um, two years ago when I had my stroke, I was riding in the ambulance, and I went to, they wheeled me back to have an EKG or I don't know what kind of test it was, where they put you in the big coffin-like thing and they slide you through. They said, Mr. Proctor, are you allergic to anything? And I said, yes. They said, what are you allergic to? And I said, hard work and ugly women. And the nurse looked at the ambulance guy that was uh, the crew leader and says, and he looked at her and says, this guy's had a stroke. It said, but he hasn't lost his sense of humor. And the reason I say that is not to be funny, but and the situation was serious, though I wasn't worried about it because I knew if it was my time to go, I knew exactly where I was going with Miss Betty. Is it okay to have that kind of confidence? And I think it's okay to exhibit that kind of confidence. Not to push it on others, but let people see Jesus in you. Seek my face, it means to understand his will and his heart for each and every one of us. I think it's where the WWJD comes in. What would Jesus do? We need the counsel of God. Running after God with a focus. Psalms 27, 7 and 8, it says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek you. This is the listening part of the prayer. Do we listen after we pray? We should. A lot of times, you know, even as pastors, we tell God how we want, we pray to God how we want that prayer answered. It may not always be that way. It may not always come that way. But um, how often do we voice our prayers and then go on about our daily lives? How often do we voice our prayers and go on about our daily lives? And then when we pray about whatever it is that's going on, either in our lives or the lives of our family or lives of friends or a situation that's going on, maybe at our homes, our jobs, our churches, we pray about it, then 
We just go on about our lives. It's easy to do. Even preachers do that. After praying to God, then we need to take the time to listen. We can still go about our day after praying to God, but the person or things that you've prayed about still think about them and wait for God to speak. Not just talking, but waiting on Him to answer. When I was pastoring in Virginia, while well, I was still a, I was uh, in Bible college for eight months before I graduated and then moved on up to the field. There was a guy that lived on the other side of the creek by the church. I went over and visited him one day. I was, you know, wave at him when he'd go out and mow the yard. And, and uh, I told one of my deacons about it. He said, don't waste your time. He said, you'll never get that man in church. We became friends. He never did come to church. He never did darken the doors. But after I left, what's it say, Gil, about fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much? Prayed 20 years for this man. He eventually became to know the Lord. Don't forget the things you prayed for when you pray to the Lord. Because he does answer them in his timing. Not just talking to him in prayers, but waiting for him. Seeking him in prayer and in worship. Then the fourth condition. Is turn from your wicked ways. It's one thing to know the will of God, but another to do it. If we've truly humbled ourselves, we will turn from our carnal ways, our troubled ways, our sorrow, our wrongs. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen it says, He who covers sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Ezekiel 18, 27 through 32, it talks about the house of Israel repenting and turning away from all your transgressions. You remember the song, I Surrender All? Do we? I'd hope so, because that's what he wants. He wants us. But a lot of times, and I've done this. I lay things at the altar. Then before I left the church, I've picked them back up. When I do that, I really haven't laid them at the altar. Because when you lay things at the altar, you need to leave them there. Because when I pick them back up, I haven't surrendered all. I need to practice what I preach. Um... The four conditions. Humble themselves, pray, seek thy face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then what's going to happen? 
says, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and heal their land. God's response after he's called on the nation of Israel, but also believers, God's response is, I will hear from heaven. Now we've made our move. It's time for God to do his. And you see in Psalms chapter 6, verse 9, I asked a while ago, how confident are you in, would, that God hears your prayers? Psalms chapter 6, verse 9, it says, he receives our prayers. He takes them. He listens. But then you also find, then I will hear from heaven. That's where he receives our prayers. And will forgive their sin. God is a forgiving God. 1 John 1, 9. I think everybody's familiar with that one. If you've been in church for a while, I'm sure you know it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't just wipe part of the slate clean. He wipes it all clean. We start with a brand new slate. How many times are we to ask God for forgiveness? As many as it takes. How many times have you asked for forgiveness? That's a rhetorical question there. As many as I need to. And it's usually daily. God is faithful even when we're not. Even the worst of messes, he will restore. Even in the worst of messes. And I can tell you some horror stories about that one. And heal their land. God is in the restoration business. How many of you here have restored antiques? Any restored antiques? You know, brought something back to life? You see a big difference after you've put all the hard work into it? <laughs> Was it something that you owned before or something you found and just decided to restore it? Hmm. You know, in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing, something can become beautiful that looks bad. I know we, we were out gallivanting one day and we went to a yard sale and I found this little dresser. Cutest little dresser had the mirror set in and bench that went with it. Really cute. It was an antique or near antique at the time. And 
I knew my daddy was good at that stuff. So I was like, we paid, I think it was $25 for it. it wasn't Something like nice. that. It was a dresser that had the mirror that slides down into it and it was beveled, a beveled mirror, like a trifold mirror where you could bring it in. And uh, once he restored it, we we went out on a trip, took a, a friend out to see her husband at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and bought a, a bowl and water pitcher and bowl. I hated that thing. It was a pain in the butt to haul back from Missouri. <laughs> But um, it was pretty, and we used that for a time. And uh, now it's time for our granddaughter to enjoy it. I'm not going to tell you where the bed's at, but I'm going to get it back. But, you know, I wonder how many, well, maybe I don't want to know, how many coats of paint that God's had to remove from this body to restore me back to what he originally saw. And I don't think he's done restoring because I'm not done putting the paint on. You know, when he forgives us, he's restoring us. He's wiping that slate clean. God, like I said a while ago, God's in the restoration business. Let me ask you this. Does your lamb need some healing? Does your body need healing? It tells us in Psalms 35 too, he takes pleasure in prospering us. When God's blessing is on you, everyone should probably know it. They can sense it. They can see it in your countenance. And I think A lot of that's why God brought us here to Central. Because we see God's countenance through you all. And that's glory to Him and, you know, your all's willingness to obey, to submit, to be humble. And I mean, I remember our first Sunday here, Miss Betty, I need your name and address. I believe it was the first Sunday we was here and she sent us a card. It almost beat me home, I believe. Let me ask you, can you imagine, I asked Lisa this, can you imagine what the United States would be like if God healed our land if we did this? What do you think it would be like? What would our land be like Let's start with Central. What would Central be like if we did this? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek thy face, 
and I will hear from heaven. Forgive their sin and heal their land. What would Central be like? I think a lot of it would be like pews would be full. There was, I was told this morning, or told a while ago that there was 204 people here this morning. A church, God's been in the restoration business because I've seen a lot more people in church. Some are coming back from vacations and time away. It's always good to see those familiar faces back. What would Bourbon County look like? I don't know what happened for them to cancel or postpone the Paris-Bourbon County game the other night. I don't know what happened. I didn't read the story, but they said it had been canceled over a racial. Can you imagine that being non-existent anymore in our country? in our community and look at our country what would our country be like if we didn't have all this divisiveness pretty much you all are quiet tonight like I said, he's recording it back there. So, um, huh? What would it be like? Heaven on earth. Well, let me ask you this Have you lived? in a time where that stuff didn't exist or wasn't as vocal. I think everybody here except for maybe that young lady right there is, I hate these things. I didn't get one of these until I was... uh, Let's see, that was 2006. I was 43 years old, first time I got a cell phone. I'm 62 now, so I ain't have one but 19 years. I hate this thing. It's a good reminder. I have to use it to clock or to remind me to clock in to go to work so I don't get punished for being late. And I'm always early. But even in my own family, See, there's my seven-year-old granddaughter there. Yesterday, we went over. We took them over to my mom's. We, my mom lives in Harrisburg. We try to get over there once a month. My daughter took her scooter. Her granddaughter took her scooter with her. Lisa and her mama were cooking lunch. She wanted to go outside. Ride her scooter. The only one wasn't doing nothing was Pop Pop. That's why she calls me Pop Pop. So we went outside. To me, that was time well spent with my granddaughter. 
And um, we just get too busy. And that phone takes a lot of it. Imagine what life was like before cell phones. You ever have a party line? It wasn't a party, was it? We shared a party line with a, a neighbor. Them Proctor boys must be on the phone again. They're sneaking in on my conversations. No, we're not. We just want to use the telephone, Miss Springgate. Imagine what life was like back then compared to now. It could be like that again. I mean, you may still have your cell phones. You won't have the party lines no more. But life was good when we didn't have cell phones. I pulled up in Lawrenceburg on my job the other day, and there was a phone booth. You know, those kind that just hang on the wall with the little? I was excited when I saw that. It was rusty. The phone was gone. Because of stuff like this. Times change. What would our world be like if we did that verse? If we had government leaders do that verse. Now, I'm not going to bring politics into it. That's a whole other Bible story. Bible study. Any questions or comments? That's all I've got. I told Lisa coming over here, I said, if I get done early, I'm going to do like what pastor does. I'm just going to turn them loose. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Does anybody have any prayer request? Okay. Yeah, ain't pen. Any others? Mm-hmm. Wanas are meeting downstairs, aren't they? That's that's on her side as her youth. Any others? You know, I found out once you get older, the doctor appointments become more regular. It stinks. 
I've got one coming up on the 13th for regular blood work. I have to do that to get my, to keep my medicine coming in. But then on the 19th of this month, they're going to do an echocardiogram to make sure that the, the plug they put in the hole in my heart, make sure everything's still working fine with it. Then hopefully, based on the results of that, I'll get off this blood thinner that I'm on. Take less medication. Hmm? Huh? Oh, we will. <laughs> Pray for the, all the ones that are winter jam. They have a good time at the old work. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it was, was it last week or the week before, uh, Michelle and Amy had a Bible study at the Rock Monte K for a little girl. I think that's where it's at. Yes. You know, back when we had that snow here, I asked Michelle jokingly, I said, did you give the kids this in-house schooling day or did you give them the day off? She says, I give them the day off and they went out and worked. They shoveled people's driveways. And... Pastor's kids get a bad rap. But these kids that our pastor has, they get out and work. And that is a testimony. As these kids aren't afraid to work. And uh, I love to see them in here. Especially when they're with the other young folks. And then... Uh, the family from New York that's come down. And uh, I don't know if he's held, found work yet or not. Well, he started his own. He, he and his he's, brother had a business. Uh-huh. He's doing that. He's establishing his own business here. Okay. And his boys are homeschooled. His boys are raised. They help him. Yeah, his boys work too. Yeah. I went out and helped them move into theirs and and then pastors I call him pastor I don't know what y'all call him but I call him pastor uh, his kids got up in there those kids got up in there and they kept taking stuff out of my hands I'm here to work well you know, they're looking out for old people I don't know what they're doing <laughs> and I was okay with that we still had fun I didn't know he'd started his own business down here. Yeah, like a hardscape type thing. I may have to pull him in for one of my projects that I started and I want to get it finished, but I don't have the knowledge. Any other prayer requests? Pray for our country. Do we know anything about that one, how it's going? We're going to give a report next week. Okay. I'm 
I'm getting anxious myself. Our, um, our son's on a pastor search committee at Rosemont. Their pastor had retired and then just a few months later passed away. Um, yeah, that was at Rosemont Baptist. And uh, my son and my brothers also, and my sister-in-law is a deacon at that church, but my son and my brother are on the pastor search committee. They've got theirs narrowed down to five. He won't tell me nothing about them. I said, do I know any of these people? He won't say a word. Nope. I just asked him, I said, do I know any of these? He says, maybe. That's something. I've had to face pastor search committees. I've done ordinations, but uh, I don't believe I want to serve on them. I will if I'm asked to. Hopefully, as long as I'm here, I won't have to. No. Won't need to. You're right. It's not easy. It, um, I think the pastor search committee here hit the nail on the head with this one. Yeah. At least I got one amen tonight. <laughs> I don't want you to. I don't know if it encourages other people. It encourages this, pe- this person. Yes. 